Hello, everybody. Hello. It we again. It us. We're here for another bad RNG podcast. We here. This one, just slightly different. Slightly. Any of the other ones we done because we're gonna do a Q and A. We've gotten questions from you guys, and we're gonna answer them here, right now, live on the air. On this the is air. It. We're this live. Is, this is the most comprehensive question and answer episode of a podcast of all time. You can just keep that in mind. Everything gets settled here today. <laughs> yes. This is the end all be all of these questions or oh. whatever. All right. So we we ask questions on Twitter. We ask them on uh, our Discord, like just kind of around. And we've gotten quite a few questions. So. I'll let one of you start with the questions you have, and then I'll kind of come in with my own as well. Well, uh, mine is fairly simple. Um, what's your your favorite genre of game? Like, not necessarily the genre that your favorite game is in, but overall, what's the genre of game that you, you enjoy playing the most? My favorite genre of game is probably the 2D platformer, like Metroidvania yeah. style game. That's, That's mine. So tough. I don't know if I have a favorite. Like it changes every day. <laughs> it's either it that or JRPGs. Yeah, like that's a sometimes like definitely RPGs, and then other times no. I've been playing a lot of platformers today. Yeah, I mean, like there are some JRPGs that I like, some that I don't. But generally speaking, with two D platformers, that's that's my jam. So I, I, we are all unanimous on that. Like at least with that being in our, in our list. Now, not a, like. I don't have any favorite games that I would consider to be 2D platformers. Maybe Super Meat Boy, but... I mean, Shovel Man's always going to be on mine. Yeah, Shovel Man's definitely on that list. You do jump on platforms, I forgot. <laughs> yes, you jump on platforms in the Shovel Man. Yeah. yeah. But, I, I don't know, like, with, with Shovel Knight, I kind of feel like that's... It's definitely a 2D platformer, but the platforming generally isn't where the challenge lies. No. And so I find that to be, like, not necessarily something separate from 2D platformers, but the platforming isn't the, the, the focus of it. Okay. So sort of, like, I guess in the same vein, like, Sonic. Sonic, yeah, the platforming can be the most important part, but then at other times they're like, you know what, generally. we're going to throw puzzles in this game where it should be fast. And yeah, you're a like, little oh. uh, all over the board there. All yeah. right. Oh, you, you <laughs> fell Sonic off the top course? Example. Now we're going to take our time. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be painful. <laughs> Pulling teeth, no Novocaine. <laughs> it's the wild part about that game. Like, it's such a weird choice, but I guess I kind of get it. Like... The idea is to go fast, and they they set it up in such a way that, like, here's the way to do it. But if you don't, we're going to make you pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get walk. it right. You're going to walk for a while. <laughs> I kind of like that. What's, what's funny about Sonic, though, like, what I find funniest about that whole thing is, like, you're supposed to go fast, but each level has a 10-minute time limit? Like, yeah. You could beat most of those levels in, like, 45 to 60 seconds. Like, Oh, it, yeah. And they give you 10 minutes. Like, In case just, you put down the controller and go take a, I don't know, like a, a like big a little, deuce. Like a little nap or something. <laughs> go get the brakes fixed on your car. That's like a, a medium big. A medium <laughs> big, yeah. Uh, not so bad you got to like shower afterwards, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> just like medium big. Medium big. Big, big. <laughs> 
It's 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 a double flusher. It's <laughs> not a single. Some high you ground gotta, discussion already here at Bad RNG. You gotta of bust course. out the uh, the poop spoon where you break it up before you flush it. <laughs> the spoon, the curved head gives you more reach. <laughs> That's a a thing I saw on on Reddit where, like, what's something you thought was normal and then you went to somebody else's house and it wasn't? And somebody was talking about a poop spoon. They kept a spoon in their bathroom in case they had particularly large deuces so that you could break it up before you flushed it. I saw it on, like, what? I I need a minute to digest this. (laughs) So do I. Like, I may put that on the list of things that didn't happen. But it's just, I read it and I was like, well, that's fucking weird. It's very weird. But like people are strange enough that I can believe that, that something like that actually happened. I could. That's, that's inexplicable. And like, so let's first get hashtag Q&A. poop spoon trending. <laughs> first non broad topic podcast we've had. And how many minutes did it take to go off the rails? <laughs> the uh, poop rails. We, we try to go off the rails pretty quickly. Yeah. Like that's, that's the end game here is to get off the uh, rails as quickly as yeah. possible. I'm not going to say I'm surprised, but I am impressed. That's that's the goal, man. That is absolutely the goal. Like, I'm hoping at some point that it goes off the rails before the podcast even starts. I mean, granted, we, I think we've already done that. Yeah, I mean, we're just, we're just going to start recording midway through a conversation that has nothing to do with our topic. We kind of did that last week. We were talking about pogs. <laughs> That's right. So, like and subscribe. (laughs) I got a question here of what arcade games did we play? Like at like bowling alleys, fairgrounds, stuff like that. Um, And what customs did we learn while in the arcade? So, there, I always will remember it. It was the Mac Daddy arcade. It was right in a mall close by. That's where I did, like, most of my arcade game playing. And the key games were probably the Simpsons arcade game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed uh, Silent Scope. Okay. I okay. loved playing Silent Scope. But the the one thing I think, the one custom I learned in the arcade was the, you know, the quarter. The quarter on Put the machine. Put your quarter on the machine. Like, I'm next. Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't know that before going to the arcade obviously but then i seen people doing it and it was like why are you doing that and they're like because i want to play next and i'm like oh okay i actually learned about that in a bar with a pool table really yeah i definitely see it uh taking a, a different sort of mode there like you might get beat up at an arcade you'll definitely get your ass kicked at a bar if you don't uh, if you don't honor the rules it. yeah <laughs> so we uh we're at a weird age where like we i think when we grew up because we, we're all about the same age. We yes. graduated together. Yeah. Uh, arcades still existed, but they weren't like the thing they were in the 80s. Like, it was yeah. the back end of it, for the, sure. The scene was kind of over. I remember them being like really alluring, but not getting to spend a ton of time in arcades. Yeah. Like, I, it was mostly like putt-putt, golf, you mm-hmm. know, things like that, where it's like, also, I guess we got some arcade games. But I feel like it's, it's taken on like a whole different like aspect to it now because there's a novelty to it. Yeah. Like you have your your places that advertise that hey, there are no more arcades left except for us. You have your your Dave and Busters, you have your barcades, yeah. you know, things like that where 
the fact that it has an arcade attached to something else, either like a bar or a restaurant or what have you, like that's just having the arcade is the draw. Like that's kind of the point. Yeah. So, and so it's it's become more of like a novelty thing now. Yeah. But, well, you have like the traveling groups, like uh, what's it, Tokyo Attack and things Tokyo like that Attack, that yeah. will uh, bring arcades to events. So it's kind of like we also have like, sort of uh, the same thing. Um, speed run sessions that's mm-hmm. going on with um with Grand Pooh Bear and Red Bull. Yeah. Where they they'll just bring a bunch of speedrunners to like a bar or an arcade or whatever, and you know to kind of drum up business for that, and that might have something to do with revitalizing it, but. Mm. What would you say though was your like quintessential? Uh, so, so Arcade actually, you game. touched on one. Uh, I was always drawn to the Simpsons and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles four player beat em ups. Okay, uh, I don't even okay. think beat em ups are like that great of a genre. Like I've thought <laughs> about this for a while, and it's like there's not a lot of strategy to it. Like, no, it's the difference between playing well and playing badly is just like how many quarters you're out. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, four people playing a game that's a like that fun. bright and oh, yeah. flashy, like awesome. Now, a lot of fun. If I had to pick a game, it would probably be House of the Dead. House of the Dead. House with of like the, the Dead. Like where you shoot off screen to reload your gun and all that. Oh, I loved it. Does and House they, of the Dead have that uh, that wonderful voice acting scene at the end about the life cycle? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Wasn't that 10. also shoot the weak spot for massive damage? Was that House of the Dead? Or was that Resident Evil? I can't remember. I know it was like a big monster thing. My wife actually played a lot of typing of the dead. Well, a I, lot of people are into that. When I think of the attack for massive damage, I think of Kenji or Genji, Genji too, whatever. Genji PS2 on the PS3. Was that? With the historically accurate battles, including giant enemy crabs. <laughs> so it was at like the E3 conference for the PS3, and they were talking about this game, Genji 2. And they were like, this game is based on real Japanese history, real Japanese battles, and then, like, two seconds later, guys, like, so there's this giant enemy crab. You're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> we all remember that giant enemy crab in yes, real absolutely. history. <laughs> yeah. It's the, that's the Battle of Tokyo, where the crab people rose up against their... The, against uh, Oda Nobunaga. I we don't that. really... And their mechs. Yes. We don't want to dig into the contentious history of the crab dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not on a, a family... Broadcast like this. Oh, yes. There were there were atrocities. We'll leave it at that. But I would say, for me, it's either Simpsons or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. Like, there's something about that, like, having four people, or even, yeah. like, the X-Men game. Like, anybody, having four people standing at that arcade machine at the same time is amazing, but... But the X-Men had the bigger screen, too. It was, like, yes. double wide, right? Yes. But I will say, in recent years... I have, I'm a little bit torn because there's two games that have really come up. Yeah, so there's new arcade games and they kind of rule. And that's um, I know Killer what you're Queen. Say. Killer Queen is amazing. I've I've heard of Killer, Killer Queen. Killer Queen is being called an esport now, which I really? you know it's kind of cool. Like I would love to see like professional Killer Queen teams. I want to see professional Killer Queen teams, but I want to see a specific like mode of it where it's just snail wins. Just snail. Wins. Just snail. No, no, no economic, no killing the other queen, just snail. Um, I want it. So there's three ways to win the game. Right, right. Like, you can get these, like, they're like little acorns, and you bring them to your area, and if you collect enough of them, you win. If you kill the other team's queen three times, you win. And then there's one where there's this really slow snail at the bottom, and you have to ride it across the entire level. (laughs) 
So I want to see one where it's you have to ride the snail across. Wow. <laughs> Thunder snail races. But what's the other game, Pat? Uh, what do you think it is? What do oh, you the think? Black like, Emperor. The Black of course. Emperor. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I fucking love Black Emperor. It's the simplest game. You've got like a little cheese wheel thing and one button. The button accelerates. The cheese wheel moves you up and down. And you ride this motorcycle through this like stage and like certain areas. There's road and then like the road goes away and you have to try to stay it on It swerves screen. up and down like the helicopter game. Okay. Okay. And it's a horizontal scroller, and like you can't go too far ahead, you can't go too far back. Okay, okay, it's so good. Sometimes okay, okay. the road cuts out. Sometimes there's guardrails you can't hit. Like it's. I swear to God, if it's not at Magfest, I am going to revolt. Yo, we'll tear down the building. I'm, I'm, I'm tearing down Magfest <laughs> if it's not. There. No, I'm, I'm going to go with more of a, a classic arcade game. Okay. With Cruising USA. Oh my. Oh man. God. Oh my. God. I love. We had one of those in our high school cafeteria. We did. That's right. We, did. we also had a Galaga machine, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, a Galaga Miss Pac Man. What senior year? We finally got the yeah, area where they yeah. had the arcade machines and stuff. But I remember when I um, I went to Gen Con. This was about six, seven years ago, and we stopped at uh, there was like an hour, hour and a half layover we had in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Now, for those of you who don't know, Gen Con is in Indianapolis. I live just outside Philadelphia. So I was taking an overnight Greyhound bus to Indianapolis. We had about an hour and a half layover in Columbus. And they had two arcade machines, both of them Cruising USA. (laughs) And I played Cruising USA for an hour and 15 minutes. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Like, there's there's a picture of me that a buddy of mine took. He He had come with me to Indianapolis and it's just me sitting there in the machine, and then he took another picture about forty-five minutes later of me still in the machine. <laughs> I spent about ten bucks on that thing. I don't blame you. So I'm not but sure if cruising it's USA. specifically cruising, but a lot of that kind of racer apparently on the back had a switch that switched it from winnable to eat all my quarters, please. <laughs> really? Yeah. There's a there's some rubber band going on there. Wow. Um, how about like non arcade, like not just regular, like screen and joystick arcade games. Uh, you guys do any of those? What do you mean? Like, a so for example, ski ball. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. I love like non electronic. Yeah. Like not just a video game, but like an arcade game in a different way. Right. Love ski right. ball, air hockey. Cause I spent a lot of time on different occasions playing storm stopper. It's the one. It's like a bubble over a ring of LEDs. Oh yeah, oh, and you okay. have to hit and the you button. Have to stop it. Yeah, you, I gotcha. That one didn't need the switch. That game's just rigged. <laughs> <laughs> there was a uh, there was one in uh, when I was a kid. There was like this pizza place. It might still be there. I don't even know. This was years and years ago, and they had one of those machines where it was like you had to move the key. It was like a crane uh, game, but yeah. it was like flipped, like inverted. It was vertical. So you had to take the key and maneuver it. And then if you got Put it, it into the, the hole, slot, you win. you win whatever. Cause it like cuts a little rope or something. Yeah. Something like that. But if you like touched like with a millimeter of the edge, the key was like, Nope, you get nothing. Yep. Thanks for your money. Sorry for wasting your time and your money, but thanks for your money. For me, it was that block stacker game, the one where it starts with, like, three pieces, you put it down, and then you keep stacking it up. It gets smaller and smaller as you go. And then the very top one, you only have one block to work with, and it moves real fast. 
But if you could get it, you get like the grand prize. Never get it. Yeah, no, I mean it's designed for you not to get. Yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That thing's super glued into the machine. Yep. <laughs> now, would you consider like carnival games to be along the same lines, like ring toss and and pop the balloon and like the water gun races and, and stuff I like mean, that? I kind of consider. I he At did say fairgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. So I would I would I would include stuff like that. And who was that with the well, question? Well like the, the that water was gun Silverado. Yeah. Silverado, thank you for the question. That was a good one. He's actually got a couple on here. Yeah, yeah, he has a couple of questions in here. Um but yeah, that I I did enjoy playing the water balloon game where you shoot it in like the clown's mouth and the balloon and gets the balloon. real big and bo- pops. Or, or like, like the, the water uh, gun where you make the two jet skis with Barbies yeah, on them. Yeah, you got to go right top. up to the top. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, those were interesting times for games. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you got, Pap? Uh, what do we oh, got? For a question? For uh, a question. Well, why don't we go over to Silverado's next question? Since, all right. Uh, yeah, since we're, since we're already there. All right, let's go to Silverado's next and it, question. It is appropriate for the time of year as well. So he said, here's an optional one if we're in Halloween time, which we are. He asked, uh, what game made you feel scared or stunned for playing it? Whether it be story-driven gameplay elements, you know a weird glitch or something that juxtaposed you with fear unsettlingness with its otherwise non-horror narrative. Hmm. That's a really interesting question. So like a scary moment in an otherwise not scary game. So I could tell a story where I'm pretty sure I had a fever dream. (laughs) That's Um, always a good start to a story. Here we go. I swear to God. I'm strapped in for this. I went down, I was maybe like, seven, eight years old, and I I went downstairs terrified because I had WCW Nitro for the PlayStation 1, and I swear in the intro to the game, there was a point where Hulk Hogan was on the screen and he rips his shirt and catches on fire, and I don't think that's in the actual intro, but I swear I saw it. That sounds awesome. I was like, what just happened? And I ran out of the room like, Hulk Hogan caught on fire. <laughs> oh, Lord. I never forget it, though. That sounds awesome, and that should be in the game. I think it should. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I would I would play wrestling games if that's what happened. If they just like they did the intro and then caught fire, that would be, be pretty sweet. So, uh, in general, here's one in general, and then I do have a specific game. Is as a kid, I found game over screens in general scary. Uh, I guess it's my fear of failure, but I would have nightmares about them. Just like, oh no, I messed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Certain game over screens got me more than others. Um, I remember as a kid, the Symphony of the Night. Game over screen got me, but now I look at it as hilarious. Yeah. Um, then there was also the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves game for the NES. The game over screen for that got me too. Like it was partially like the way the music came in when you died and stuff, but the whole combination of it was like kind of unsettling. Yeah. Now, yeah. like mine is, um, now I didn't. I haven't played like a whole lot of like super scary games, but there are some that kind of like had hit me with that that fear. Not like startled or or unsettling, but just like scared of of what it was I had to do. And that was the first time I fought Ornstein and Smo in Dark Souls. Okay. Like you walk into the boss room and there's this big dude with a hammer, you're like, I've killed bigger than you. And then Ornstein drops down and you're like, Oh shit, I have to fight both of them. Uh, can I quit now? Can I? Can I just leave? Can I? Where's the door? I gotta go. 
That's yeah. why, because it took me till after the cutscene, because like there it's like, oh, all right, whatever. We got some big boys in this game, you know, like when yeah. the gaping dragon comes out, it's like, yeah, oh, Iron Golem oh. is big, and then the friend comes down, and you're like, oh, there's two of them, uh, oh. But when you see two bosses coming at you in that game, bosses got some gravity when they're moving, right? Yeah. And when they're both coming, I was like, oh, no. I didn't think there was another level of this is impossible in yeah. my brain. But <laughs> here we are. But that, and, like, there was a lot in Dead Space. Uh, Silverado specifically mentioned Dead Space, and that was a game that did, like, the atmospheric unsettling very, very well. Like, you could hear, yeah. like, banging and tapping on the vents. Like, there yeah. would be no enemies, but you could just hear that, like... It was. It just bugged me out because you knew there was going to be something around some corner, but you didn't know what it was going to be or which corner it was going to be. And it just, you were always ready for something to pop out at you, but when it did, you weren't ready for it. Yeah. That's a surprisingly effective horror game. I remember being just genuinely afraid of advancing in that game. What was oh, yeah. around the next corner? Mm -hmm. like, and a part of that is just like, how difficult enemies are to kill. Like, yeah, you gotta, you really gotta disassemble them to mm -hmm. ensure your safety. And yeah. it was, it was unique in that because like there were a lot of games <coughs> up until that point where like you shoot an enemy in the head and then they die. That's, that's where I, that's what you had to do. But with dead space, you had to dismember them. And so it kind of hits you in like that visceral sense. Like you have to like basically mutilate these things in order to kill them. And all of them used to be people. Yeah. Also, in Dead Space, there was that scene with the babies, like the the whole section. I think it was the Dead Space Two, where they were like Xen or Xenomorph, Ectomorph, whatever the hell they were called. I don't remember what they were called, but the thingies, the thingies, yeah, the thingies. But they were babies, and they would like cry and jump at you and explode. And it's, I didn't want to kill them, but they were going to kill me otherwise. And it's it was very like anthropomorphizing, like they weren't real babies. But the fact that they cried at you and like they they moved weird, it was just it was very very unsettling how yeah. to deal with all that. And the first time you see them, you see them like attacking another person, like 30, 40 of them inside this nursery, and it's just uh, it makes me shudder. The other uh, the other game that funny enough Silver brought up was Eternal Darkness, and I remember playing that for the first time and kind of getting an idea like it. Tells you about the sanity bar and how it works and stuff like that. But it wasn't what I expected at all. Because I just remember me and my cousin are playing it. And as we're going through, my sanity bar is going further and further down. And suddenly, the one that's the most infamous is that it blue screens. Like, it says, you know, there's an error with the game. Contact Nintendo. Gives you, like, all these error messages. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then the game comes back on. You're like... What? Like, like <laughs> I fixed it. <laughs> it really messes with you. It, they do the insanity effects. Kind of, I think they have a diminishing effect over time. Yeah, which is just sure. natural. You know, yeah. like you start to expect the the spooky horror funhouse stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. But even even that, like they found enough kind of like curveballs to keep me on the edge of my seat. Like the one in the middle of a mission. So like the format is that it's. Uh, Alexander Roivas is reading like a history in her mansion and each chapter of it is another level you play. Yes. And in the middle of one of these chapters playing as someone else, it cuts back to her and like her grandfather's ghost starts saying some like ominous shit to her and then it just cuts to an advertisement for Eternal Darkness 2. <laughs> Sanity's Redemption. And I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. 
<laughs> it didn't feel real. Yeah. No, there was a game I played as a kid. It was sort of a horror game. It was sort of tongue-in-cheek. But I, I feel like the silly aspects of it really set to, like, raise up the horror aspects because you weren't really expecting it. It was, um, you may have heard of it. I don't, I don't never hear this game talked about, but it's called Hugo's House of Horrors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, like, anything you do could kill you and you have to start back at the beginning. Where, like, you open a dresser and boom, werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> and then you die. But the scariest part of that game was getting in the command to throw the meat to the dog before he got you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, like, you open up into the, you go into the dining room and there's Frankenstein and Dracula and Bride of Frankenstein all sitting down and eating dinner. And you're like, uh, this isn't where I parked my car. And then you leave. That's, um, like, I remember game that was very unsettling to me. And I think I've kind of figured out, like, games like Dead Space and whatever, and games like of that ilk, for whatever reason, never really got to me. Like, I I don't really get those ones. But games that really got me, that unsettled me, weirdly enough, were more text-based games. Like, I remember, and I've talked about this before, is games like Shadowgate and Uninvited, like... This the, guy stole my whole list. <laughs> well, it's because it's, it's the power of the imagination. Yes, like, the you're way. filling in the blanks. Yeah, so that's what they, was, was with uh, Hugo's House of Heart. Like, the lo-fi kind of forces your imagination into to threatening pl- territory. To, yeah, to, yeah, to fill in the blank and, like, reading through it. Like, I remember specifically, and funny enough, somebody uh, on Twitter, when I talked about the fact that I'm going to be playing Halloween games, posted are we going to see this lovely lady again and it was the scarlett o'hara lady from uninvited and that particular scene sticks in my head because of the way they described it like they're like you know she's laughing maniacally as she's ripping you apart and i'm like jesus christ like i'm like eight at the time that's just (laughs) terrifying to think about when you're reading it the other thing that stuck with me from that game was the gem Oh, the ruby. The yeah, it's like you have no idea. It's just you pick it up, it doesn't really say anything. And like what every maybe like thirty actions, you just get some kind of ominous message, like yep. something's wrong, buddy. Something really bad. And and the bitch about it is so the there's like like you said, there's this ruby in the game that you can like pick up mm-hmm. and they don't tell you anything about it. But as soon as you pick up that ruby, you've basically ruined your game. Because it eventually drives you insane and you die and you lose and it'll keep happening uh, throughout yeah. the rest of the game. So you might as well start over and not pick up the room. <laughs> it is right at the beginning. But it like, really, oh. as I recall, the screen it showed you because, you know, it was kind of like an old school like PC adventure game where like you have a menu over here, like a status thing at the and bottom then like a little, and a little window yeah, in your yeah. viewfinder and like. The slide it shows for that, I think, was like a red skull. Yeah, the red skull. And yeah, that stuck in my imagination for <laughs> yep. a good long time. Um, but it's always like those things that are seemingly innocuous that then turn out to be the scariest. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you're not expecting it, you know? It's like um, there's there's a scene that, that sticks out in my head, and you're actually familiar with this game here, Pat, and that's Parasite Eve. In the very beginning of the game, when you first see the transformation of one of the animals, the rat specifically. Oh, yeah. And it, it gives you a close-up on all of the different aspects. Of, like, the skin pulls back off of the face, and you see it get really big, and its tail splits, and it's all wet and slimy. And it's, it's it, that stuck with me, like, that whole transformation of the rat 
becoming this monster and it shows you each individual aspect of it. It's not like, oh, here's a rat and now it's big and it's all fucked up looking. Like, no, you watch each individual part of its body transform. Yeah. And it really hits you with that body horror of like, well, shit. Yeah, and you almost feel your bones like yeah. shifting into unnatural shapes. Yeah, like you feel yourself kind of tense up, and you're like, oh, "I don't want that to happen to me." Like you know, it it's not going <laughs> yeah. to, but you're like, "Is my skin pulling back?" Like you're rubbing your face, like, "Ugh." I will never go to the opera. Well, it's, it's that same everyone thing. caught fire. It's that same thing that every every male understands. Of you watch a video, and you guys know it. You watch a video. Dude gets hit in the balls. You kind of go, oh, like you feel it just a little bit. You're like, oh. they start retracting into your stomach <laughs> yeah, and I get like, that sick Oof. feeling. <laughs> like vicarious. You're like, oh. <laughs> now I'm going to do a follow-up question to Silver's question. What is a Halloween or horror-based game or something like that that you found absolutely hysterical? Absolutely hysterical. A oh, funny one. Um, huh, that's a good question. Well, you're thinking on that, I do got one more that scared me that wasn't okay. a horror game. Was Did you guys ever use the Game Boy camera? No. Okay, so the men, it was a really bizarre thing that had <laughs> hidden menus and hidden menus, but like the main menu for like taking pictures was like an RPG. And it had like, you know, like shoot, like gallery, like everything listed, but you could run and it would take you to a different like RPG scene for some reason. <laughs> But sometimes when you hit run, it hit you with these horrifying faces of what turns out were the developers of Game Boy Camera they drew on. But it plays this really discordant, like, low, bassy, just, like, terrifying noise. It's like, like, it hits the brown note. And, like, it's, as a kid, that really, really shook me. I could definitely understand that. Game Boy Camera was fucked up, man. (laughs) I think for me... It would have to be a game, a scary, quote-unquote scary game that I found hilarious was probably Dead Space 2. Okay. Because it tried to use a lot of, like, the same motifs and same techniques that the first game did, but it was done a lot, like, in a lot more over-the-top sense. Okay. So it kind of went past scary and into ridiculous. Ah, okay. And... Like, there were some scenes in it that were legitimately scary. Like, when you're out in space and you have to kind of maneuver around and you're... It's just fucking lonely. But for the most part, it's just... It went super far over the top, in my opinion. Yeah. There was also the uh, the famous Silent Hill 2 secret ending... That one, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah, wait, that pops, that, that's the, the, the first dog. thing I thought of. With the with, dog. With, like, yeah. the dog okay, or the yeah, UFO. Yeah, yeah, with the dog controlling everything. It's, it's like a Shiba with a headset, like, yes. manipulating <laughs> levers, and you're like, what the fuck? Why is this happening? I, I love really it. like how, like, lo-fi the whole apparatus he's using is. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like a, like a paper mache version of, like, Homer Simpson's desk. <laughs> <laughs> so, one that I'm looking forward to. And for anybody who wants to watch it happen, it'll be happening on stream, twitch.tv slash Thessalonium, is I'm going to be playing Deadly Premonition. Oh, yeah. And I've seen people play it. I haven't seen the whole game, but I've seen clips of it, and it looks hilarious. (laughs) Because me and Pat have talked about this before. I guess the best way you could describe the game is it's like a video game version of The Room. Yeah, that's what it feels like. That's what it seems like. Like, you can't tell if it's... 
like being serious doing or it not. on purpose or if someone sincerely like thought this was good yeah <laughs> like it it's kind of in that weird territory but there was a game and i have not been able to find it since i was a kid i had a when playstation first came out i got a game called brain dead 13 and it was sort of like a dragon's lair type game but it was put in like this haunted house so it had, like, the real cartoony look to it. Right. And, like, you have to get through the areas without dying. But it was really funny. So it was really enjoyable. I have not been able to find that game anywhere <laughs> since I was a kid. And I really want to get it so I can play it again. Did you play the first 12? I did not. <laughs> hmm. Were there actually 13 of them? Or was, no. like, the first one that came out just it was 13? The first one was Brain Dead 13. There was Maybe that was, like, the same idea behind, like, SEAL Team 6. Where, like... They only had two SEAL teams in the world, and they were like, well, let's put six out here so everyone thinks there's three more. Maybe people are like, what happened to Brain Dead 11? Where's Brain Dead 4? <laughs> Do I have to play the first 12 to understand the story? SEAL teams 2 through 5 only came out in Japan, so they kind of <laughs> messed up the numbering. Like, the literal start of the game, if I remember it correctly, now granted, I haven't played the game in 20 years, but... If I remember it correctly, you play as this, like, pizza delivery guy who goes to this house to try to deliver the pizza, and then he gets trapped inside, and then it's just you trying to get out. And that's, like, the whole premise of the game from what I understand. But there's, like, all different characters you have to try to avoid. Like, there's this um, spider, like, there's a spider woman who's, like, a hairdresser, and she's trying to, like, cut your hair, but you got to kind of avoid her. Or, no, she's a vampire. And she's trying to like That's cut your hair. That's a very but, different thing. <laughs> but she'll like bite your she'll like bite your neck and suck your blood. And then there's like one guy who's like a marionette or a puppet. He comes puppet down guy. from the sky and like he tries to like choke you with like the, the ropes and stuff. But it's hilarious. Like I I need to get this game again. I need to find this, it. This sounds about as scary as one of those Halloween like motion sensors. Like ooh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that's. That reminds me of a movie There was, it was supposed to be, I don't know, it was supposed to be kind of, like, funny and, like, ridiculous and over the top, but they used a lot of, like, like frightening, like, themes and motifs. You ever seen um, Four Rooms starring uh, Tim Roth? I have not. No. So it's, it's basically, like, four short movies all bundled together with the through line of a bellhop uh, in a hotel on New Year's Eve. And there's, like, a witch coven. I think Michelle Pfeiffer is one of the witches where they tried to, like, there's, like, a fertility ritual that they tried to do with this bellboy, and then they try to murder him. And he's like, uh, I don't want anything to do with this. And, like, there's this rich couple that, like, pays the bellhop to watch their kids, and they end up, like, finding a hooker in the bed. Like, it's, it's all, like, at its face, it's supposed to be kind of scary, but... It's it's very like over the top and ridiculous. Ninety dollars. Wow. Seems ninety dollars. <laughs> That's brain dead thirteen, everybody. Fuck. <laughs> I might buy it. That's anyway. the truth. I'll take any excuse to watch to to bring up four rooms. That's such a good movie. Bruce I Willis. Th- is I in think it. me and you were talking we, we talked about, about it, it the other day. Yeah. yeah. What happened to three rooms? Yeah. What about two rooms as well? <laughs> they were only released in Japan. They were only released in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> So right. we have a couple other questions. You have a let's get, let's go with your question, Pat. You have one for us. 
actually don't. You don't have any. You <laughs> just right, have answers did, to questions. Right, I have. See, a I question. didn't think we were supposed to bring our own. You know, like conflict of interest here. Gotta gotta recuse myself. Well, the the first question that we had, that was asked of us, and I think this is probably the the deepest one we can go into, is from Narakanu. Favorite Metroidvania and why? Okay. I was going to, I I had a different question that I was going to that I was okay. gonna ask. Do we want to do a bigger one last so we can kind of like okay. really yeah, we'll expound do, we'll do the upon big one it? Last. So stay tuned for our favorite Metroidvania and why yes. coming up after this commercial break. So I have a question here that came in. Um, and that question was from some chef dude. <laughs> and it was... <laughs> Do you think Sephiroth's dick is big? That is not my question. Yes, that, it is. Is, that is your question. This is a, a thoughtful question. Uh, is is the Sethi Rock a Sethi Rock? <laughs> well, here's what I'm thinking. Or is this Mass Immunity Mass Puny? <laughs> yes! We did it! <laughs> Cancel the podcast. Cancel it. We're going home. Oh, my God. The Patreon money is rolling in. We're canceled, boys. We can't get any better than this. Matzo puny. I'm going to say it's non-existent. You've been thinking about that for a while. That just occurred to me. I'm so glad somebody heard it. We we saved it. For those who are wondering, this just... How did this even come up? You tell me. You you asked us. I think I, I think we, I think I asked someone in Rocket League who had the name like Sephiroth Goku like sixty nine or something. Yeah, we were playing Rocket League and it was something about Sephiroth because we had two people in a row, like two games in a row where people had like the best way to describe it is like Zanga usernames. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out um, to anyone who remembers Zanga. But uh, there was a person that had like a Sephiroth name. And I think Brad just asked him, Yo, you think Sephiroth's dick's big? And the person didn't respond. So we kept asking people. And we decided we were going to keep playing. Like I had to go to bed. <laughs> and we were going to keep playing until we got a response to, Does Sephiroth have a big dick? And we finally got one. The guy just said, death. 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 Now, <laughs> if you understand the lore of the game, it's obvious the answer is he doesn't have any genitals. Yeah, that shit's long a, gone. <laughs> he's a ghost. <laughs> and he was chopped in half, actually. So uh, if it is there, it's buried in the earth somewhere. We also took The Sephiroth we see in game is, is a ghost. So we don't ever actually... Yeah, when you see no. the real one, he ain't got no legs. He ain't no. got no legs. But given the size of the meteor that he summons, I'm going to say it's compensation and mm. that when he did have genitals, they were they were baby dicks. Like, I don't know, man. Baby dicks. Well, <laughs> You don't carry a sword that big and be satisfied with your masculine. Is that multiple baby dicks? Let's see, like a little, like, <laughs> a like sea and anything, <laughs> baby dicks. Or like an echidna, like... <laughs> I think it's more of a Midgar Zalem yeah. situation. We are so far. I think he's into weird shit, though. Like, he's got a little spike through it. He's <laughs> probably got, like, a curve, like a banana. It's cool. When he's all done, he just casts Cure, too. <laughs> <laughs> what other questions do we have? I know we had... Um... What's... This, uh, this one is actually from my wife. 
my wife. Very nice. Uh, what is the worst game that you love? All right, should I go first? Yeah. Since I, I already know mine. Yeah. Everybody should know it. It's Simon's Quest. It's Simon's Quest. I love that game. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. I mean, it's got its issues, it's, but I don't think it's the worst game on earth. No. But it is to be fair, considered played, a bad game. You've played both of the worst games on earth. I've played all three of the worst games <laughs> on earth. <laughs> In a series of games. Urinal's Chasm. Yeah. It's yeah. not actually urinal, but... Great it's, graphics. It's great graphics. Great gameplay. Just just the best. Ten out of ten. But cohesive story. You know, like like I said before, I, I will always give Simon's Quest a pass. Like it's not a great game. And I I'm the first one that'll ever admit that. But I also give it a pass because I'm like, you know, they tried coming up with new ideas and implement them. They just implemented them poorly. Yeah, I mean But it was a lot of new you can give them respect for trying something unique. Yeah, like these ideas that they came up with are things that we're now using today in gaming. Like, and this is what, 1988? Well, someone has to make that jump. Someone yeah. has to try something and fuck it up. Yep. That's, <laughs> like, that's, that's just how it goes. Like, that's someone has to be the first one to be like, you know what? Let's just fucking go for it. And then they mess it up beyond all recognition. And then someone else takes it, was like, well, here's how it was bad. Here's how we can improve it. And then they they build on that. But someone has to take that first step and and be like, well, we drowned. Yeah, Sucks. The, the more Maybe someone will learn part, how to swim. The funny part to me is the most egregious part to that game is not even like some people have a problem with the grinding, but you know what? That's in games now too. Like, and pe some That's people like it. Some people at hate the it. Time, like, um, but to me, the most egregious part is from Castlevania One to Castlevania Two is enemy placement. Like, enemy placement was so well thought out in Castlevania One. Like, you had to really take your time and think about, okay, how am I going to go about this? But Castlevania Two, you could just move forward and swing your whip, and you will not have to stop. Like, you could just keep yeah. going beeline. And well, that, to me, is the, more egregious. The other thing is, they both kind of come, they both seem to consider what would happen if the player just held forward. Yeah. Right? Like, but, like, Castlevania 1, it, it sort of like tries to stumble that at every turn. Like, every enemy is just to, like, fuck up your idea of, I'll just hold right and jump. Yep. Where Castlevania 2, it's like, you're a total badass. Like, you can just, like, kill everybody and look like a, a total hesher. Holding right the entire time. Well, the I think part of the issue was that in Castlevania 1, now correct me if I'm wrong, I, I didn't play a whole lot of Castlevania 1 or a whole lot of Castlevania 2, but from my understanding, in the first game, you were only ever moving in one direction. You weren't coming back through the same areas in an opposite direction. No. So the enemies could be placed in such a way that hindered your progress in one direction. Now, if you were to come back across those screens in the opposite direction, it'd probably be a very different experience. Yeah. Whereas in Castlevania 2, there's a lot of, like, back and forth, and so the enemies can't be optimally placed for both directions. Well, I've also thought about it a little bit with that. You know, one of the other things I thought about with Castlevania 2 as well is part of, and like like we were talking about on se the sequels episode, the first episode we ever did. Yeah, the very first episode was about sequels. Go um, listen to it. Like and subscribe. I talked about the fact that one of the things that 
a lot of people didn't know about Castlevania 2 was that there's multiple endings to the game and it's dependent on how quickly you finish the game, how many day-night cycles pass. So I think in some ways they put the enemies where they did because there are areas where enemies are a little bit harder to deal with, but in the open world, they're not that bad. And I think part of that is because they want to make sure that you can go through and progress through the game in the allotted amount of time to get each individual ending. I've thought about I've thought about Castlevania 2 far more than I should have. You thought about it more than the developers did. Probably. <laughs> but in all fairness, yeah, like many more years than they did. Yeah. <laughs> no no argument can be made by anybody. And if anybody tries to say otherwise, I will fight them. The Castlevania 2 soundtrack in the parking lot. is a fucking banger. Oh, yeah. From start to finish, that soundtrack is a fucking banger. <laughs> you know what's funny is that there was a lot of games that, like, like the the 2s, like Castlevania 2, Zelda 2, that were kind of seen as, like, the black sheep of the series, but still had really good music. Yeah. Like, you still hear on, like, I listen to video game stations on Pandora and, and Spotify and all that, and the Zelda 2 dungeon music plays all the time. Oh, yeah. And, like, when I first heard it, I was like, what, what is this? I don't know what this is. And then, like, I watched a playthrough of Zelda 2, and I was like, oh, it's the dungeon music. That's yep. a banger. This shit oh, slaps. Right. It's from Smash Brothers Melee. That, too. <laughs> well, that's, that. I think, and we talked, again, we talked about it on sequels. If you guys want to go listen to it, you can. Yeah. Um, play Shovel Knight. Yeah, play Shovel Knight. Point. Yeah, we got to say yeah, that. Yeah, play Shovel Knight. Pause. Shovel Knight. Just do Come it. back. Whatever. But, um, 7-Eleven. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Uh, it seemed like all the twos, all the sequel games, were the ones where they sort of they started to experiment. They tried try, some different, try some new stuff, and then they kind of went back to the roots, going to the third games typically. Mm-hmm. So how about you? So we we have talked about this game before, and it is a, a very much a guilty pleasure of mine, and that's Final Fantasy Thirteen. I. Loved Final Fantasy thirteen. Right. It was it was pretty, and it wasn't like super grindy. It was just a, a very kind of straightforward like adventure game where you go very from, straightforward. Where you go from? <laughs> it wasn't a Final Fantasy game, but if it wasn't labeled as Final Fantasy, I don't feel like it would be given as much hate as it is. I could agree with that. But like it was, it was very straightforward adventure wise. Like the story kind of, it was like. Loosely about racism, but also, like, not because it was, like, different species. Like, the one thing, I didn't start hating the game until after you got into, like, the final section. The disc three, if you will. Where there was three quarters of the enemies on disc three you couldn't actually kill until you had beaten the game. Because there was, the way that the leveling system worked is, like, you'd level up and then you'd get points to put towards these orbs... But once you maxed out the orbs, you were still getting one shot by three quarters of the enemies on disc three. And you didn't unlock the final tier of levels that actually gave you like more bonuses than the first, like the last three levels combined. Like you get like, you know, plus five strength, plus five stamina, whereas the last tier gave you like plus 30. Yeah. And it's like, well, you're giving me all this content that I can't actually, like, after I beat the game, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can fight these enemies, but, like, why would why I want would to? I? Why would I care? But it was it was pretty, and I liked the the way that the class system worked. Like, each character had three different roles that they could fill. 
and you could set up your parties based on those roles. You can be like, this is a healer, this is a buffer, this is an attack guy. And it was kind of like autopilot, but you can also make the argument that for like a lot of the Final Fantasy games that there was a lot of autopilot. Like you were basically just mashing the attack button to get through. And so it kind of streamlined that whole thing. Now, a lot of people didn't like that it was basically just a movie, but you can make the argument that a lot of Final Fantasy is a movie anyway. Like, the summons are, you're just sitting there for three minutes like, okay, it does 4,000 lightning damage, and I have to watch this minute cutscene to see the summon come through, and it's... Yeah. I I feel like it's uh... it's a lot of undue hate, I feel, is leveled at that game. A lot of it is warranted. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of it is undue as well. Yeah, like, for me, I think the biggest, the, the most egregious thing to me was the it, it, as as many people have called it is it's final fantasy 13 hallway simulator yeah it's just straight line cutscene, boss battle repeat oh yeah and coming from the older games with the more open world aspect i think that was more what bothered me more than anything else and that's kind of what i disliked about 10 as well yeah because 10's definitely a hallway too yeah like, let's, let's and it like honest. took away from what you know, and I guess it... It's Basically, that- when I heard that it was a hallway, I thought, like, I didn't like that about Final Fantasy X, and so I haven't played Final Fantasy thirteen. I don't know if I ever will. I, I probably wouldn't, if I were you, because if you like the Final Fantasy series, it is not that at all. No. It's not. It's not. And it, it's not. <laughs> but the game itself isn't bad. Like, I finished it in 20, 25 hours. Okay. Like, it wasn't a super grindy game. It, it gave you enough enemies to get to the level that you needed to be in order to progress through the game. There was never a point where, up until, you know, the, the, the very end, where you couldn't progress without grinding. It was all, it gave you enough to get through, you know? You never found yourself to be underleveled and then had to go back and kill some more dudes so you could grind out a few levels. It wasn't yeah. that. Very Chrono Trigger-esque. Yeah. Chrono Trigger works very much in that way, and that's one of the beauties of the game is that you... It was well-balanced. Yeah, you don't have to grind in that game. You can kind of just go through it and go and you get the whole experience. Yeah, it was, it was well-balanced in terms of the XP that you got and where you were supposed to be in terms of XP when you got there. What about you, Pep? Okay, so I was actually going to say Shadowgate and Uninvited. Um... <laughs> I do enjoy those games, but like realistically, great. there's there's no strategy to it. Like even in terms of puzzle solving, it's it's basically like doing like a like a um, a maze, but if you can only see like through a little like a little hole, so you can't anticipate like the turns <laughs> you're supposed to make. Yeah, uh, it, it's more about the atmosphere. But since we already talked about that, I want to go in another direction. Uh, there was a Super Nintendo game I got. It was one of the first two games. Super Mario World came with it, and we all know that's a great game. Yes. Uh, uh, no no contesting that. Uh, get out of my ats. Uh, <laughs> but I also got Virtual Bart, which oh, is a Simpsons game. Oh, God. Now, the premise is, uh, like, the, the intro is very short, <laughs> where Bart goes to school, and he goes into the auditorium, and it, like, it's pitch black in there. And when the lights come on, he's strapped to like a big wheel, like a chance wheel. <laughs> but he's got a VR helmet on. And it makes you play a random mini game out of what, like, I want to say six or eight, maybe. Yeah. Here's the thing. There, there are like three platformers. There's like a like a first person, like s- tube maze thing. <laughs> All of these games are bullshit. Like, 100% bullshit, and I spent at least 80 hours as a kid (laughs) trying to beat 
any of these mini games and I never beat any of them. Man. It was a really interesting game. There was one where you got to throw, it was a mode seven game mm-hmm. where you had to throw eggs at people walking by to ruin the school photo. <laughs> never beat it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I've always heard like well, there's the infamous stories of the the, the Bart games. Like at, for it, for some reason, it seems like all the Bart games are like widely regarded as crap. Why did they keep trying to make Simpsons games? They did it right with the arcade thing. They, they really did. <laughs> now here's here's a, a question that I actually just thought about. Uh, what's a game that you really enjoyed until the ending? Like the gameplay is is over. You, you get to the final cutscene, and the ending kind of ruins the game retroactively. Oh, shit. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I can that. think of TV shows that have done that. I can me, think there's a few TV shows that have done easy that. That's kind of easy with TV. Yeah. With a, with a video game? Oh, my God. For me, and I'll, um, I'll, I'll kind of set the stage here, um, the first Infamous, if anyone's familiar with Infamous, now, spoiler alert for a 12-year-old game. It's, it's old enough. It's, it's old enough. <laughs> it has two sequels already. So, I mean, if you're... Stop listening if you want to play it at some point. It's a fun game. I would highly recommend it. The gameplay itself is top-notch. But, like... So, the, the whole premise is there was this bomb that went off in New York City. It wasn't actually New York City, but it's basically New York City. And you get electrical powers. And so you kind of have to find out, like, why were you the only one who survived this explosion? You know, why did you get these powers? And who caused the explosion? And then you get to the end of the game. Here's here's the spoiler alert. You fight, you fight the final boss, and it turns out the final boss is you from the future who came back in time to imbue himself with these powers so that it could fight a monster that was going to rise up from the Gulf of Mexico Monster rises up from the Gulf of Mexico, fade to black, roll credits. And I'm like, so this was basically the prologue for the actual game. Like, it was fun. The gameplay was, the was tutorial good. tutorial level. <laughs> and, yeah, basically. And you, you fight the final boss, and he's like, I'm actually you, and I couldn't fight him. But maybe I, I mean, you, we can beat yeah. it if we're powerful enough. And then you see, like, a news report. It's like, there's this... Fucking thing that's happening. <laughs> and then the game ends, and you're like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> and I, I played, like, two hours of the second one. I was like, I kind of have to see what happens. And then I stopped caring. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Like, you made... I, it was 30, 40 hours I put into this game that seemingly had a decent story. But then you get to the end, and it's like, oh, by the way, that's not the real story. There's, there's a whole other thing going on. And we're just going to pivot right here at the end. <laughs> After you're done playing the game, we're going to pivot what the story is actually about. And it just, it pissed me off so much that I never went back. And I, I it, could understand that. It just ruined it retroactively for me. So now that I've set the stage, what do you guys got? So mine's another game that's widely probably regarded as bad, but I, I enjoyed it as a kid, which was Friday the 13th for the NES. Okay. Because you play through this game and you have to, like, do very specific... Like, you could fight Jason over and over again, but you won't beat him. Right, that's how Jason works. Exactly. <laughs> so you have to, like, you have to go find his mom and you have to kill her, get the sweater. You have to get all these items in order to actually beat 
Jason in the game. Right. So I go through the process and do all of this, and you finally beat him, and they show this cutscene, and it goes, you've defeated Jason, or did you? And then the game starts, and then it goes to the the beginning <laughs> again. I'm like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I just spent all this time playing this game thinking that finally I beat Jason, and you give me, you beat Jason, or did you? The end question mark? Fuck you, game. <laughs> I think that ending would have been great if it started a new game right away and there were two Jasons now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it goes right One back. of them is your old character? Like, the, the funny part is, like, I always remember me and my brother used to laugh at the intro to Jason because you'd see the hockey mask and then there would just be, like, a knife that flies in into the screen and goes into the eye, and then you hear, like, a boop, 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 and that was, like, the intro to the game. So, at the end of the game, you get, you defeated Jason, or did you? And then it shows the mask again. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> really? All right, so I am loath to mention this game, and I know what it will bring. But I have to say the first Assassin's Creed game. So I I, I agree with that. I actually kind of liked the game at first, even though it was a little repetitive. Yeah. The combat's repetitive and reaction based. I don't know how the game ends. hmm, Somebody took it. You're better (laughs) off. Yeah, you're better off. I did you a favor, man. So uh, you're going through this game and it's like you're in the assassins and like you got to go like check out these places and find stuff. Uh, The the leader of the assassins, Al-Mualim, right? uh, Altair. Altair. Al-Mualim is the leader. Is the leader. He sends you. Important um, context here. It's all framed as you viewing the past through your ancestors. Right. There's like a machine that you're plugged into That's and right. you're viewing the path yes. through your ancestors. So Desmond, who's our new protagonist, uh, Pro- before Pro- before Pro- we Pro- had Pro- all that stuff that happened since then in the series, he's brought in, they're looking into his past through like a like a in like a MRI VR machine. machine. Yeah. yeah. Like a VR MRI. And so Altair, his uh his ancestor goes to like all these things. He goes and investigates stuff for the assassins. And the, the twist of the game is it comes to the end and Amalim is the bad guy. And he's using like this power to control people. And you, you see this climactic fight with him. And, and all this was to find something in the present time. They're trying yeah. to find something in his memory to fi- to go get it in present time. So you, you do the whole conflict. You come out of that. So actually the gameplay also really does not, hold up at the end of the game where like guards get more perceptive they get stronger like it's at the point as soon as you come out of a hiding spot you're caught yeah not cathartic at all so the bat like the back quarter of the game just sucks but then the ending is you come out of the machine they're like all right we found the thing there's a conflict going on over there that way to the end of the game we're going you can stay here and they lock your guy they in a lock room. your guy in a room you come out of the machine and, and they're the like, end. they're like, oh no, we're being attacked. Stay here. <laughs> and then they lock the doors and leave you. But just to make sure nobody thinks that I missed it, you can use Altair's eagle sight now as Desmond, and you see like writing on the walls. Yeah, it's uh, all like presumably super in like and, blood or something. Yeah, it's all cryptic and it doesn't add up to anything. Yeah, just like the whole series. Just like the whole series. <laughs> so bad okay. ending. Maybe it's a good ending, but you don't get to go see it. You don't get to see. It. You don't actually get to see it. and. This is, it's not a video game, but I feel the same way about Ender's Game. If anyone's ever read that book, are you familiar with that? So, 
I loved Ender's Game until the very, very end, where, like, they, they frame it. So for anyone who hasn't read Ender's Game... They made a movie out of it, They didn't did, they? but from my understanding, it's not even close to what the book was. Harrison but, Ford collects a paycheck in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the whole premise is, like, years and years ago, there are these, like, hive mind bugs that came and attacked Earth, and we fought them off, but it was a bloody battle. It was, a, it was an awful war. And there's this kid whose name is Andrew, but he had a speech impediment when he was a baby, so he called himself Ender. So everyone calls him Ender. That's, you know, that's the name of the book. And they set him up to uh, train to go to the bug homeworld and fight the bugs. And they put him in all these training simulations, and they tell him, like, this is, at the very end of the book, they tell him, this is your final test. You know, once you, you finish this test, you're ready to go off and fight the bugs. So they go through the whole test and they, they end up fighting the bugs and they step out of the simulation and everyone is like, hooray, you did it. That wasn't a test. You were controlling drones. The final battle happened already. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> like the final battle happens off screen? Like that's, and it kind of took away all the tension. Like he comes out and he's like, yeah, I'm ready to go fight. And they're like, you already, you already did. did. <laughs> it's Good news, everyone. Like, what? What? I wasn't. What? So I didn't invest the time in the book or the movie. Uh, it was it I, was a good book up until that moment, <laughs> and it just kind of lost me completely. I don't know. Part of me kind of likes that, but then I think if that was a video game that ended that way, I'd be fucking pissed. Yeah. Well. One that I didn't enjoy, like I didn't enjoy the game, but I hated the ending just as much, and I've talked about it before on here, was um, Lords of Shadow 2. I hate the ending of Lords of Shadow 2, so, and spoilers for anybody, I don't think it, it's really spoilers at this point, but Lords of Shadow 1 ends and you find out that the main character that you're playing as, Gabriel Belmont, turns into Dracula. That's the whole thing. Game two, you are Dracula many, many years in the future. And you're sick of being alive. Like, you're sick. Of, you don't want to be Dracula. You're sick of being this. And your son gets involved, who was Trevor, but now he's Alucard. And, like, fucking Hideo Kojima retconned everything in Castlevania because that's what he does. But you play through this whole game, and the two of you decide you're going to work together to get the vampire killer so that they can finally kill you. Like, that's the end goal of this game, is we're finally going to kill Dracula, he doesn't want to live anymore, blah, blah, blah. You go through the entire game, fight all these people, you fight Satan for the second time, because you fight Satan in the first game, you defeat Satan again, and then he's just like, you know what, I don't want to die anymore. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck was the point of this game? <laughs> like, I did all this for nothing. Like, he didn't grow as a character. Nothing. I'm sorry. That game was horrible. Yeah, you're you're very fired up about this. This game was horrible. I remember when it came out, I just thought, like, oh, this looks like Discount Dark Souls a little bit. But no, like it was it was Metal Gear Solid with Dracula. That's what it was. Like, there was a lot of, like... That actually sounds interesting. I'd probably play Metal Gear Solid with Dracula. Like... I mean, they did that. It's called Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> you remember he had a penis yeah. knife? <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> fucking vamp we'll get to the the, the big question the meaty now. question this one is meaty 
which was the favorite Metroidvania. Now, I feel like before we get into this discussion, it's important for us to define what exactly it is a Metroidvania is. I feel like the, like, because that label is just kind of thrown around nowadays. That's true. So I feel like, at least for the purposes of this conversation, it's important to define what exactly it is we were talking about. And I think the, the easiest way to describe it is it's uh, an open world where most of the gameplay is predicated on exploration. And I, I feel it can be either 2D or 3D. Most of them are 2D, but there are some 3D Metroidvanias. But the big part is open world and exploration. I think another important part to clarify as well is that with them, there's a lot of backtracking can, because of the fact that there's like areas that are barred off based there's off barred of off, yeah. items. There's progress you blockers. Yeah. Yeah. But even if the game is somewhat linear on at a bigger look, there's a linear environment. Yes. Yes. So what do you got? Mine's kind of obvious because we talk about it every episode. I wrote down a question as the answer. You wrote down yes. a question. Okay. Yes, it does. And that's my answer. He nice wrote, life. does Dark Souls count as a Metroidvania? 100% it does. And it's my favorite. And I'll tell you why. Because there, there is, it's, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. There and there's there's moments in that game that just stick with you, specifically like the first time you take that elevator from the undead parish to Firelink Shrine, and you're like, "Oh, I'm back here." We're climbing out of Blight Town, and yeah. you end up back at Firelink Shrine, and you're like, "Oh, thank God, I'm home." And then you find out the firekeeper is dead, and you're like, "Oh fuck, someone broke into my house and took my stuff." <laughs> <laughs> and they you took to- my favorite lamp. Yeah, they took my lamp. <laughs> but like those moments kind of define the game for me or like when they show you uh, Sen's Fortress you see Sen's Fortress really early on with the gate and you see Onion Bro sitting outside and you're like oh well how do I open this gate and then you ring the second bell and it shows you the cutscene and you're like I know not only do I know exactly where that is I know exactly how to get there the game has a good way of giving you a mental image of what the map looks like based on the shortcuts. You know which areas connect to which other areas, and the backtracking isn't nearly as bad because there's, you know, there's there's shortcuts, and you have an idea as to how the map is set up. You're not like, well, let's go over here. Oh, that's not where I have to go. You know where you have to go. And even once you get the teleportation, once you're allowed to warp, you can't warp to every bonfire. There are only a few that you can actually go to, which kind of, there's still a little bit of backtracking, not as much. Like you can go from one end of the world to the other, but you still have to maneuver through the world in some way. You still have to explore. It was kind of high time for an open world game, especially in 2011. It was high time for an open world game to rely on actually traversing the world instead of pressing the skip button. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Skyrim. <clears throat> Well, you know, it's it's kind of a broad thing, too. Like, there's a lot of cool open-world games, but then, like, they want to make sure you don't feel like you're wasting your time, which, like, I use the fast travel, too. Yeah. yeah. We all do it. You can, you can choose to not use it. That's the defense, right? But, like, if you've made this big open world and you don't want to walk through it, then, like, why did you make an open-world game? Yeah. yeah. What was the point? But uh, that's... 
Dark Souls is my favorite game of all time. And I think it's, it's it's things like that that game when you just dis- when you, if you try to describe the full <laughs> game map, you'd probably say what like it's a valley with a city above it. I think there's like a big tree. Yeah, there's know. a big tree way at the bottom. It's not a very interesting description when you put it that way, but the way the world kind of like twists and turns and knots through itself yeah. feels yeah. very real. And those moments of surprise where you're like, you think you're going to a new area, but no, it's bringing you somewhere familiar, somewhere you've already been, and then it clicks. You know, those two pieces kind of hook together. And it's like, oh, oh, okay, I'm here now. Like coming from... Uh, after you've defeated Capra Demon, you can go back up through like the the the, the tunnels leading into yeah. the Undead Burg, and you're like, "Oh, this connects to Firelink Shrine too. I'm here now. I know exactly where I am. I know how to get back here. I know where I'm at in the world, and I know where the world is around me." But the flip side is that, and if that's you, important with no map, you you see it and you're like, "Oh, okay, wow, this curves back into Firelink. Like we got a nice, cool curve." But then. Oh, there's a whole other area. The depths just like right there, right there. You, you yeah. could walk past that a hundred times mm-hmm. and then be like, "Oh, door. Oh, big area. Yeah. Oh, progression." So but that's and that's I, I me. think just to, to cap it off, uh, I, I really like the way it makes anticipation for areas without overstating them. And Sense yeah. Fortress is a good one, like. You, you remember it, but when you get there, it creates a sense of anticipation, and you feel it from this big gate, and just like, what's in there? Mm-hmm. Without anybody ever telling you that it's a house of traps, or like all this other like big important shit, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's pretty cool. And it's, it sets up like anticipation without being predicated on expectations. Yeah. So, both of you is Dark Souls. I, get, I gotta go with Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And this is me having never played either of the the namesakes for Metroid Vane yet. I've never played Super Metroid. Well, I've played about an hour and a half of Super Metroid. Okay. And I've never played Symphony of the Night. Okay. So, yeah, if you had told me that this didn't count as one, I would have said, I'm not sure, because I think I like (laughs) Metroid Vane's about the same generally, give or take. Yeah. For me, um, weirdly enough, I know a lot of people go with, uh, you know, you either go with Super Metroid or you go with Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night, yeah. For me, it was a Rio Sorrow. Okay. The uh, Game Boy Advance game. That's another Game Boy, yeah, it's a GBA game. That game is phenomenal. Um, Story-wise, you know, map-wise, because I will say this, and I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, one thing that kind of, in retrospect, kind of turned me off about Symphony of the Night was the Upside Down Castle. I felt like it was a little bit unnecessary, like going back to it and really thinking about it. I'm like, did it really need just an upside down castle with some slightly different enemies? Like if it was completely different, I think I'd have a different opinion of it. But it's really, this is an upside down castle with some different enemies, but visually is exactly the same. It's just inverted. So There's a theory about it. Does the inverted castle not work as well because the character progression has ended? Like, Alucard doesn't really gain more abilities in the Upside Down Castle, No, he does really he? doesn't. I like, think by that, that hurts point, it too. you could go directly to Dracula if you were allowed and probably do pretty well. Yeah, because you... I. So it's it, basically just padding is what you're saying? It, it, to some degree, yeah. It's, it's a pacing problem, no I idea. think. It's it's kind of like the back end of Dark Souls a little like bit. Like the back end of the hand. By that point, you have the shield rod. 
and and stuff like that. So it's like, all right, I'm essentially unstoppable yeah. now. The comparison that like Dark Souls benefits because you have like four distinct different paths to follow after that that kind of have their unique characteristics. Yeah. Where this is the upside down castle. It's the yeah. castle, but upside down. There are cool things, right? Oh yeah. Like it, it has a scarier vibe to it. Everything's darker, kind of like like. I don't know, dingier. Yeah. Uh, the the music is scarier. You, you get those like sharp strings coming in at first, like. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it's kind of you're seeing the like weirdly enough, the inverted castle is the real castle. Yeah. The one you were in was an illusion, but. Um, but yeah, so it doesn't really hold up on the back end. Yeah, for me, I think Aria of Sorrow was a better paced game. Um. I also just like the way that game was put together better. Like, I like how the thing that's interesting about Castlevania Symphony of Night is that you can learn any of the abilities like he has Soul Steel, Dark Metamorphosis, and all those. You can learn those immediately as long as you do the right button combination, which can be a pain in the ass because it's like playing a fighter. Right. But um, what I like about... um the Aria Sorrow games is that you get abilities from the enemies that you fight. Like you can take, you essentially take their soul in. So it's like Mega Man. Yeah. You take their soul in and then you gain some sort of either like you'll gain a passive ability or something along those lines. So each enemy has a different thing that you can use like a support ability and an actual like attack and then a uh, passive. Which is pretty cool. Cause I think one of the big uh, strengths of the, a linear Castlevania games is the variety of enemies. Yes. Like one of the cool things about Symphony of Night is you see like all the enemies from all the other games and they're just like there and every corridor has different looking sprites. It's super cool. Yeah. But um, one of the things you were talking about with like Dark Souls 1 I think is interesting about and I feel like that methodology of how they did Dark Souls 1 came from games like Aria of Sorrow with Aria Sorrow has areas where you could teleport, but again, there's only a few of them. There's only a few, Here yeah. and there, and then you still have to do your backtracking to get wherever you want to get. You still have to traverse part of this castle if you want this whole thing to work. Right, and with a game like, like Dark Souls 2 or, or Skyrim or whatever, where you have that teleport available to you at the beginning of the game and you can go pretty much anywhere... Once you learn the map and you get those teleport locations, you never use that knowledge again. Yeah. And I feel like the game having you use that knowledge again is important. Because otherwise, what's the point of having you learn it if you're not going to use it, you know? Yeah. Uh, another game that, that did a really good job with that, uh, I, I might consider it a Metroidvania, probably not, though, is um, Salt and Sanctuary. Salt and Sanctuary is a good game. Salt and Sanctuary was awesome. I love Salt and Sanctuary. <laughs> but I wouldn't necessarily qualified as a metroidvania because there's not really a whole lot of backtracking that you no. do in that game like there's very very little it's it's kind of linear progression and the areas even in, in and of themselves are sort of linear like there are some branches you can take and there there's some different places you can go but for the most part it is largely linear yeah there are some side shoots you can go to like the floating castle or you can go like way down below and fight bosses there but as far as the main progression goes, you're, it's kind of a straight line. And you're limited by the, the abilities that the game has given you up to that point. Yeah. Um, but so, it was a good game. It was, it was 2D Dark Souls, but with platforming. So I would highly recommend. 
There was a lot of good questions here. Yeah, it was good. That's, a I feel lot like this of was good a, questions. a good Q and A. I feel like this is a, a good setup for something to do later. Yeah, we'll have to do this again. We'll have to get more questions. Maybe do one live. At some that point. would be cool. I think that would be cool. I would like to do more like this, where it's kind of like a lot of different stuff. So like, yeah, if like anybody, a grab bag. more questions, please. Like yeah. any anybody who's got something doesn't matter if it's like a half baked question. Well, all right, maybe like three quarters baked three quarters is the bar. Baked. But, you but know, you can, like, throw it out there. You can tweet at any of us. I'm at some chef dude on Twitter. I'm at the Salonium. The bomb-ass pizza. Or you can join our Discord. Um, just, just bad RNG Discord. I don't know. Click the link. Yeah, just, we'll put just a, look we'll, at, No, we'll, just don't even put a link. Just click somewhere. And click a link. Just click a link. And, and maybe it'll bring you there. Make sure you trust the link, but click it regardless. Close your eyes. Tap your heels together three times and say... I want to chat with trash. <laughs> I want to chat with trash. I want, I'm here. <laughs> so as we do on each episode now, what are you guys playing? Uh, I actually just started playing Celeste. And uh, speaking of 2D platformers, which is a nice little callback to the beginning of the episode. That game, I knew it was hard and it's about what I expected. Boy, is it hard. <laughs> Them B-sides are I, I decided that I'm not going to move on to the next level until I've completed each level's B-side. Yeah, the B-sides are the... like, the And I have the first two finished in about two and a half hours and 500 deaths. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Right now, well, I just finished Blasphemous. You just finished Blasphemous, yeah. So I'm excited. I was excited about that. I'm still playing Minecraft. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, that's um, never a game you really stop playing. Well, it's one of those. It, it's one of those games like Rocket League, which is another game we've been playing. We've been but, playing. Yeah. Um, it's one of those games where you can kind of fall out of it for a little bit, but then when you're back in it, you're back in it. You're back, and in you're it. in mm. it for a while. But um, the game I'm getting ready to start playing, as I said earlier, is Deadly Premonition. So I'm really looking forward to that. Like, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a doozy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching that. I'm excited. <laughs> Not oh, playing boy. it, but watching it. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I picked up uh, Supra World. I've um, seen you playing yeah, it. Yeah, you've been playing so it. So it's, it's a little bit, like, minimalist in that, like, a lot of the dialogue is, is just, like, kind of jokey and gives you the structure to go explore a big 3D Metroidvania platformer action world. It's a, the premise being that you're like a little kind of like gummy or like eraser guy and you're in a sandbox. So like all, it's kind of like Pikmin where the objects are like giant real world things. Like there'll right. be a carrot stuck in the sand or whatever. <laughs> okay. And it's just like a lot of jumping on things and solving puzzles. It's pretty damn cool actually. Nice. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah. I'll have to take a look at it as well. Um, I do, and I brought it to your attention. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> I have to bring up this story. So I send a message to Alex, and I was like, yo, Destiny's free. And he's like, I don't want to play Destiny. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought you might like that game. Well, fuck me. <laughs> nah, I think I'm with you. I'm kind of done with looter shooters in that way. I still play Fortnite. Still put, yeah, that's true. But they just started the new season, and they have a killer marketing team. Oh well, you know what? Before we end this episode, can we talk about that for a second? The the way they they did that. Hold on, everyone, microphone alert! Like, take off your headphones. <laughs> that's how I feel about that. 
So fart noise, loud fart noise. So, it was cool, and then it went away for almost two days for no reason. I think it's kind of brilliant. It's brilliant. I think, but it's- fart noise. I, I gotta say, part of me gnawing at me feels like something wasn't working with their new update in time for the deadline. So, like, <laughs> marketing team, can you cover our asses while we fix this? But like the 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 sequence was cool. Like everything leading up to it was fine, but they had never gone offline for that long. Yeah, and like you could still open the game. It wasn't like you know it was down for downtime or whatever. The it was game open. It was just a black hole. It was just a black hole. Like there wasn't downtime. They weren't updating the game. They were just like stare at this butthole for two days. <laughs> but here's the thing: like we were talking about on Twitch, there was. A hundred thousand people people watching watching this black hole. hole. Like, that is incredible. The the official Twitch Twitch channel was streaming it. Was streaming it. And then they would, like, host you if you had, like, a theory as to what was going on. Yeah. Like, it was wild. They were so into it. It was was incredible. Like, the marketing of that was brilliant. It was was pointless. Like, me me and Amanda, me and my wife, were talking about it. And... With something like that, there's a very fine line that you have to walk, especially with the comeback. Like, it has to be... The the longer it goes, the cooler the comeback has to be. Don't call it a comeback. It is a comeback. They it's were gone for two for days. Years. <laughs> but the cooler that it has to be. Like, once you get to be too long, your expectations are so high for what it has to be, your only response can be when it comes back is, oh, fuck, finally. And you don't... Want that. Yeah, you don't want that to be the reaction. Like, I the theories people had were great. Oh, the theories were great. Like, I, I saw theories of it was going to be offline for two weeks because it's Fortnite. Yeah. Um, what else did I hear? Like, my theory was my... Well, I said... Well, it wasn't really a theory. I said I would call them the most legendary company ever if the game just ended there. Like that would have been great. Black hole, game over, never coming back. That would have been... Like, I knew they wouldn't actually do right. it, obviously. Yeah, no, it's a cash cow. That would All be right, the... boys, we got to turn off the money printing machine. <laughs> we got a great meme. But that would have been... Got a great... A great meme. That and then they released the Rocket League BR. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Isn't the Rocket League BR just rumble? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all RNG based. <laughs> it's just rumble. What if, though, there was a big Rocket League map and it was only the demolition power? Oh, my God. And you just always had it active? It well, just activates every 10 seconds. Well, there is mods where I, I was watching a game where they had... You mean the, hacks? Yeah. Cheats? Like, sure. You've been banned. <laughs> they uh, they have... Uh, Back banned. Get wrecked. Two pros playing against 16 bots. And it was hilarious. I've seen some shit like that. Like, it's so funny because... Like the bots, like if the ball goes up in the air, the bots just kind of congregate under it. <laughs> well, what was weird though was as I'm watching this video, it seemed like the bots were getting smarter. Like they were starting to go up the walls. They were starting to jump. But then there were there were bots that they called aggressor bots. And all they did was drive around trying to demo you. <laughs> and it was amazing. Like it was the, the, the best thing. I think one of my favorite Rocket League memes is, like, one grand champion versus six silver players. Yeah. (laughs) I'd ironically be interested in playing the 16 bots challenge thing. I would would love to do that. I would do that. 
the, um, the three of us versus 16 bots. I'm in. Rocket I, League campaign mode. I just recently <laughs> watched a video, though, that I thought was really interesting about the the disparity of ranking where they were talking about um it was a it was a rocket league player by the name of Sunless Khan. He was talking oh, about Sunless. the fact that um, he was he's a grand champion and he was playing in some event and he got to play with Cronovi. Like he was the regular Cronovi was the pro and they're both grand champion. He's like, but Cronovi's MMR is two thousand while my MMR was 1500 and oh, yeah. he was like to put it into perspective and to give perspective for us like my mmr is like 1100 so i'm closer to sunless khan than sunless khan was the chronovi but they're both grand champion yeah and it's that should there be something more maybe above grand champion for like maybe just have like pro tier or well, something that was, like that, that was kind of the problem they had when they first introduced this ranking system because it used to be just Bronze, silver, gold, champion, grand champion. Yes. And then they added platinum and diamond and, and all those intermediate ranks. They added champ and like then they, they put in grand champion and then there's like I, I think Overwatch does a good job of citing Overwatch as a positive example. Fucking kill me. <laughs> but they do a good job of separating the top tier. They have a top five hundred. Yes. And I think that would be something interesting where you have like champion Grand champion. So you really know who's like. Yeah. Right. I did find it interesting, though, that there was a night the three of us were playing. And I didn't know that this person was like really, really good. I mean, they were really, really good when we played them. But there's a Rocket League player by the name of Athena. And okay, yeah. we played against her one night. I remember we were playing threes and we played against her. And I'm like, man, she's really fucking good. And then I find out like she's like ridiculously good. I'm like, okay, well, us getting spanked made sense now. <laughs> yeah, and she, she streams. She's a, I think she's like a semi-pro. I think so. Like, I don't know if she's actually signed to an org, but she's, I think she's a semi-pro. And we, we, we got beat. We got beat pretty bad. Yeah, that's what happens when you play against pros. Yep. It's like, uh, it's like NFL versus peewee football. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that. I just, I just remember a robot chicken sketch where they had, like, it was, like, a contest or whatever with, like, this junior league hockey team. And it's, like, if you win, you get to play against, like, the Washington Capitol or whatever the <laughs> hockey team was. And, like, they were playing them like it was an actual NHL team. Like, get to play against slamming the these eight-year-old kids into the boards and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, just destroying these, these preteens. Playing against the Broad Street Bullies. <laughs> <laughs> And they're not pulling any punches. It's not like, oh, oh, oh he's going to, sk- oh, no, I can't Wham. stop him. They're just like, bah, suck it, kid. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with that. I think that's a good way to end it. We with start suck with, it, kid. Yeah, we, we start with usually random tangents. We end with random tangents. It's a good way to go. Don't, never forget, hashtag poop spoon. <laughs> poop spoon. You had to bring the poop spoon back. <laughs> it's a bookend. <laughs> But thank you, everybody, for listening, and I will catch you on the next one. And whatever time it happens to be, wherever it is you happen to be, I hope you have a good one. Suck it, kid.
Thank you.